Live by every word. That is the challenge and the opportunity the Bible gives to you. This program examines the actual words that have proceeded out of the mouth of God Himself so we can use them to guide our paths and live by them in our everyday lives. This is Live by Every Word. Thanks for joining me here on Live by Every Word. This is Trumpet Radio 101.3 KPCG, and we're online at kpcg.fm. have a live link at thetrumpet.com as well. All of our programming is available there or wherever you like to get your podcasts. People often get a little bit confused when it comes to understanding grace and works. Both are mentioned in the Bible a fair bit. They're both vitally important, but we have to understand how they work together and the purpose for them. Grace and works. Both are very essential. Notice this passage in Ephesians 2. We've got a few passages today, so you could look these up with me if you've got a Bible. Ephesians 2 and verses 8 and 9. It says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So only Christ's sacrifice can pay for our sins. That's the only thing that pays for them, that sacrifice that Christ made. We could say from this day forward, uh, keep the law perfectly, if we could do that. Uh, It still wouldn't pay for sins of the past. We need Christ's sacrifice. We have to be forgiven. We need grace to be saved. And there's, there's no amount of penance or something like that that can make up for sin. It has to be forgiven. Now, when we repent, and that means to forsake the wrong way, and beginning to obey God, to live that way, we have to ask for forgiveness from God. And Christ's shed blood pays for those past repented of sins. Christ's sacrifice is essential. There's nothing we could do to make it good, to make up for what we've done in the past. We need Christ's sacrifice. We need grace. For by grace are you saved through faith. We have to have faith in Christ and faith in that sacrifice and then ultimately have the faith of Christ in us. But we need to be repenting and changing, and and repentance means to change. Uh, John the Baptist made this point to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They were uh, pretty self-righteous, and they thought that they um, maybe didn't need to repent. And so they come here to John and John's baptizing. And in Matthew 3 and verse 8, John the Baptist says to them, to these Pharisees and Sadducees, he says, bring forth therefore fruits meet for repentance. So he said, well, you, you know, you're coming here, but you're not repentant. You're not, you're not changing anything. Repentance is more than, of course, just, you know, being sorry or feeling bad. It's, it certainly is feeling bad, but then changing, then changing. Godly sorrow means, you know, that we go forward and we change. Human sorrow feels bad, but then goes back to it, the sin, and doesn't change. So Mr. Armstrong 
clarified this in The Incredible Human Potential, and that's free at thetrumpet.com. He said, repentance is not merely being sorry for something one has done or even many such sins. It is a real repentance of what one is and has been, of his whole past attitude and life apart from God. It is a total change of mind and heart and direction of life. It is a change to a new way of life. It is a turning from the self-centered way of vanity, selfishness, greed, hostility to authority, envy, jealousy, and unconcern for the good and welfare of others to the God-centered way of obedience, submission to authority, love toward God more than love of self, and of love and concern for other humans equal to self-concern. And that's repentance. Repentance is very practical. And there are, as we read here, fruits of repentance, things that have to be done. And yet, having those fruits of repentance, that that in and of itself doesn't forgive us. We have to have Christ's sacrifice. But we have to do our part to be given that forgiveness. God's grace is conditional upon repentance. You can look at Acts 2 and verse 38, where Peter said to repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. So we do need fruits of repentance. Those are works. Those are things that have to be done. Those works don't forgive the past sins, but they are necessary to show God that we're changing and that we're going a different direction and we're making an effort and and we want to go a different way. And then if we repent in that way and ask for forgiveness and have faith in Christ's sacrifice, then he forgives those sins. Christ's sacrifice pays the penalty for those. We do need fruits of repentance. The Bible is clear that we are also to be rewarded according to our works. So, you know, we need fruits of repentance and change and growth. And then as we go forward and we we strive to live more and more like God and put his way of life into action, there's blessings for that. But then there's an eternal reward for that as well. Those, Those good works, they don't save us, but there is a reward that is given based upon what we do in this life. Rewarded according to those works. This is a quote from the Herbert W. Armstrong Bible Correspondence Course. This is a free course at thetrumpet.com. This is Lesson 24. It says, God has an exciting future beyond imagination in store for those who willingly follow his way of life, grow and overcome spiritually. Not only will they inherit eternal life as the free gift of God and become eternal members of the God family, they will also be rewarded not with the temporary rewards of men, but with rewards of eternal responsibility. Every Christian's reward will be exciting and fulfilling for all eternity. You know, there'll be these tremendous rewards, these tremendous opportunities to help others, and it'll be rewarding and fulfilling, and it will last forever. But God's looking to see, okay, well, what will people do with what they're given today? Um, There's going to be many important offices of responsibility in God's government, and God's people are qualifying for those offices right now. Matthew 16 and verse 27 says this, 
For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels. This is the uh, second coming. It says, and then he shall reward every man according to his works. You see, no, again, no one's going to be saved by their works. We read that earlier in Ephesians. But they're going to be rewarded according to works. We'll be rewarded. We're saved by grace through faith. But works are important as well. We're not saved by them, but we do need to bring forth fruits of repentance to really be, you know, repenting and changing. And then we're rewarded according to those works as we grow. And we see this in a parable that Christ spoke in Luke 19. He gave a parable here that explains this. And this is a little bit of a longer passage, but it's worth looking at. Luke 19 here in verse 12 to start with. He said, therefore, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. And he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said, Unto them occupy till I come. So they all started out with the same amount here, and he wanted them to do something with it. They'd have to do some works. And they didn't do anything to earn what they were given there, but that's what they were given, and it's okay, we'll use it. Do something with it. And it says in verse 14, But the citizens hated him and sent a message after him, saying, We will not have this man to reign over us. And it came to pass that when he was returned, having received the kingdom, Then he commanded his servants uh, to be called unto him to whom he had given the money, that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. What did you do with what you were given? Then came the first, and he said, Lord, your pound has gained ten pounds. And he said unto him, Well, good servant, because you have been faithful in a very little, have you authority over ten cities? See, these are eternal government positions because this person did a lot with what they were given, and they were rewarded according to that. They weren't saved by it, but they were rewarded according to what they had done. It says, in the second came, saying, Lord, your pound has gained five pounds. And he said, be you over five cities. So they didn't do quite as much, but they were still rewarded according to their works. And he said, uh, be over five cities. In verse 20, and another came, saying, Lord, behold, here is your pound. I have kept laid up in a napkin. And he goes on to say, you know, well, I feared you, so I didn't do anything with it and so forth. Has a has a wrong attitude here. Didn't work with what he was given. And he gets corrected pretty severely. Verse 22 says, And he said unto him, Out of your own mouth will I judge you, you wicked servant. You knew that I was an austere man, as the person said, taking up that I laid not down, reaping that I did not sow. So you knew that, but then you, you didn't do anything. With what I gave you, verse 23, says, Well, wherefore then gave not you my money into the bank, that at my coming I might have required my own with usury? So even if he didn't do much with it, he could have put it in the bank. It would have gained some interest, very little, but some. At least there would have been some gain. In verse 24, he said unto them that stood by, Take from him the pound and give it to him that has ten pounds. And they said unto him, Lord, he has, he's already got 10 pounds. And he said, For I say unto you that unto everyone which has shall be given, and from him that has not, even that he has, shall be taken away. And so what happened was they got, uh, uh, they lost what they were given. They lost what they were given. 
And now the people standing by in the parable say, well, that doesn't seem fair. But, you know, if you're a businessman and you give a pound to everybody and you say, well, what can you do with it? And one person's really having it grow and expand. The other person doesn't do anything. Well, you're going to take that pound that, that the person that, that didn't do anything with it and give it to the guy that, that did a lot with it because you want your investment to grow. Right? This is Christ using something that we can understand, you know, money and, and the development of that or the use of it. But it's a spiritual point. He's making a spiritual point about what we do with what we're given spiritually in this life. And Mr. Armstrong explains this in The Incredible Human Potential. He says in the parable of the pounds, Jesus pictured himself as a nobleman going to a far country, heaven, to receive a kingdom and later to return. And he called his ten servants and he gave each a pound. And while he was gone, one of the ten traded with the money and gained ten and so forth, as we read. And he said uh, in the parable of the talents in Matthew 25, one was given five talents, another two talents, and another one, each according to his own ability. So there's a, a bit of an expansion there on this where, you know, not everybody has the same amount of ability and so forth, but God's even in how he judges that. It's what you do with what you have. It's the works you produce with the opportunity you're given. And he says on Christ's return, the one who had been given five talents had gained five more, representing spiritual growth and overcoming in this life. He was commended as a good and faithful servant and given responsibilities accordingly in God's kingdom. See, again, not saved by his efforts and by his work, but rewarded according to it. It says the one who had gained another two accomplished just as much in proportion to ability, and he too received an equal reward. But the one who had been given the one and did nothing with it, he uh, lost out. It says, in other words, in his Christian life here and now, he did not overcome. He did not grow spiritually. He didn't develop any character. The pound or talent in these two parables represent the initial measure of God's Holy Spirit given at conversion. But as a spirit-begotten person is continually led by the Holy Spirit, he says, Mr. Armstrong writing here, following where God's Spirit opens his understanding, growing in spiritual knowledge and overcoming, the measure of God's Spirit in him increases. And they grow. They grow. <laughs> Further on the quote, he says, this person didn't believe in salvation by works. What he didn't realize, again, we're talking about the one in the parable that didn't do anything with what he was given, what he didn't realize is that while salvation is a free gift, just like we read about in Ephesians, we are rewarded according to our works. But by doing nothing, he lost not only the reward, but he lost out on the free gift of eternal life. See, that free gift, it is conditional upon faith and repentance and growth. It's conditional. It's a free gift, but it's conditional. We're rewarded according to our works. And if we produce no works, no good works, well, then we lose out on that gift as well. Grace and works, they go together. They work together. Mr. Armstrong continues and says, Christ's answer to such when he returns with the kingdom of God is, you wicked and slothful servant. 
Take therefore the talent from him and cast you the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's Matthew 25, 26 through 30. He says he failed utterly in God's real purpose, reproducing in us the holy, righteous character that we may receive from God. And finally, he says, many have been deceived into a false salvation. So I think we can see by putting these scriptures together in some of those quotes, the picture here, that just as it says in Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 9, for by grace you are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And we're not saved by works. But if we don't produce any good fruits or good works, when God has given us uh, the opportunity to do that, then we're not going to qualify for that free gift of salvation. See, works are vitally important because we have to bring forth fruits, meat for repentance, and then we have to continue to grow and to develop. And we are saved by Christ's sacrifice. Nothing else can replace that. Nothing else can, can do that. No one else can do that. But to qualify for that free gift, we have to be bringing forth fruits of repentance and producing good works and growing so that we're not only given that gift of salvation, but then we're being rewarded so we can help out more in the kingdom of God. We need the, we need the grace of God for sure, but we also need to be producing fruits, all of it being done by the power of God's Holy Spirit, but we've got to choose to follow that lead in that direction. If you'd like to learn more about this, please sign up for the Herbert W. Armstrong College Bible Correspondence Course. It's free at thetrumpet.com and request the incredible human potential. That's also free, and that is at thetrumpet.com as well. That's all the time we have for today on this edition of Live by Every Word. Thank you for spending some of your time with me. I'm Dwight Falk. Until next time. Let's all strive to more perfectly live by every word of God. You've been listening to Live by Every Word on Trumpet Radio 101.3 KPCG and online at kpcg.fm and thetrumpet.com.